Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. The ninth chapter of John's Gospel is the text for this morning's message. It was part of your E100 reading for Easter week. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. Friends, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Back in ancient times when I was born, parents didn't know what they were going to have until we showed up. Birth was done the right way. Mom was in the delivery room. Dad was in the waiting room handing out cigars. That's the way the Lord intended it. So, I was born, and the doctor came out, and my dad's first question wasn't, what is the child? Because he didn't know. Does the child have ten fingers or ten toes? The first question my dad asked about me was, can the child see? My dad was born with congenital cataracts in both eyes, and he went through life with only sight and one eye. It sort of hindered him athletically, it hindered him academically, and at the end of life, it just, life closed in. So he wanted to know, could I see? How's your sight? How is your vision? The Gospel of John is written around a literary device, if you will allow Gospels to be written around a literary device, and it is the device of sight. In the Gospel of John, people see. John tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. When Jesus calls the disciples, and when he calls us, he says, Come and see. Come and see what I can do. Come and see what I can accomplish. Come and see this thing called the kingdom of God. And as we progress through the gospel, the stories are told to people who can see Jesus. They'll ask him, What sign will you show us? 
And Jesus said, I'm not from Missouri. When you start believing in me, then you will see the signs. Even at the end of the gospel, Thomas says, unless I see, see the prince in his hands, and I put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. Jesus says when he appears to Thomas, come and see Thomas, touch me and believe. So the ninth chapter is the pivot point of the Gospel of John. After the ninth chapter, we start focusing in on the conflict between Jesus and the Jews, the conflict that will ultimately end upon his death. The ninth chapter starts with the disciples traveling, and they see a man born blind, and his disciples, rather than seeing the blind man in terms of compassion or seeing the blind man in terms of empathy, ask a responsibility question. Whose fault is it? Don't we do that? Oh, we may not say it out loud. But aren't we quick to ascribe guilt blame who was the sinner Jesus this man did he sin in utero that's what they were asking did he sin in utero or did his parents sin that he was born blind and Jesus said you are absolutely missing the point this man was born blind so that God's glory might be revealed and what happens in the ninth chapter of John's gospel everyone is blind except the blind man. Jesus restores the blind man's sight, and the Pharisees immediately rear up. Their first accusation is, well, he wasn't born blind. They actually confront his parents. Was he born blind, or did you just kid us so he could collect money? And on and on the story goes of everybody in the ninth chapter having spiritual blindness except the blind man. The Gospel of John says the light of the world has come and the darkness has not overcome it, but the darkness has sure tried. One of the things I do, believe it or not, is I coach other ministers in doing their personal and professional development plans, and we use a lot of testing instruments. And one of the instruments we use differentiates between where you expend energy and where you get energy, things that drain you and things that energize you. And, and we were talking to the, some of the clergy and the cohort about the fact that some people are energized by being negative. It fires them up. Man, if they can find something wrong, they're pumped. And they absolutely live in the objective case. And if you ask them, what do you think about this? They are going to find something wrong with it because it makes them feel better. It makes them feel good. Likewise, there are people that they are energized. They are energized by being positive. If they can say something good, they're going to find a way to say it. They believe not only is the glass half 
full. The glass is overflowing from the half full position. And there's so much goodness in the world, it's just going to overflow around you. And you've run into these positive people that no matter what's going on, they are so positive. I went to school with one. His name was Neil Hughes. We nicknamed him Neil How You Doing Hughes because it doesn't matter what you said to Neil. Neil was going to say something positive back. You'd see Neil walking down the, the um, sidewalk. Hi, Neil. Neil say, hey, man, how's it going? We'd say, well, Neil, my dog died. My car has a flat tire and my mother and dad are divorcing each other. Neil would say, that's great. See you later. It just didn't land. But you look at the Pharisees and you look at the Jews and they are energized by negativity. They spend three years in relentless pursuit of Jesus. They spend three years trying to tear down everything he's doing. They spend three years picking on him relentlessly. And here they are again. Picking on him because he's healed. Y'all, COVID made us crazy. We were pretty um, interesting before we got to COVID. And now we've become doom scrollers. We get our pads out and our phones and... Ooh. Oh. And we turn it and say, see, I told you, look at this bad news. This is bad news right here. It's absolute, this is terrible stuff, bad stuff. And we've all started believing all the bad stuff. And if anybody says something good, oh, Fauci says, oh. And that's what the Pharisees were doing to Jesus. This man was blind, but he can now see. And they call an inquisition. Do you know people like that? I remember my first Easter without training wheels. When you're an associate pastor, you've got training wheels. And then they tell you, you can have a church now. And it's like your own church without training wheels. And it was my very first Easter Sunday morning. And I was so excited, I couldn't wait to preach my very first Easter sermon in my own church. It was in Kenner, Louisiana. And on Easter Eve, about midnight, it started raining. And by 9 o'clock in the morning, it had rained 20 inches in New Orleans. Do you know what 20 inches of rain in New Orleans is like? Flotageddon. There was six inches of water in the fellowship hall. There was four inches of water in the main hallway. The beds in the nurseries were floating. It was terrible. And I thought, oh, first Easter, can't get any worse. Ah, that's when Helen came out of the women's room. And she had the remnants of the paper towel roll. You know, the cardboard tube down the middle. And she had it above her head like this. There are no paper towels in the women's restroom. Who's responsible? I am, Helen. 
I will go to the janitor's closet and get you some paper towels. That's the ninth chapter of John's gospel. Anything that can go wrong is going wrong. And the blind man finally says, I don't know what's wrong with you people. I don't know if Jesus is a sinner or a prophet, but I do know this. Though I was blind, now I see. We live in a Good Friday world. We live in a Good Friday world that crucified Jesus Christ, that continues to crucify Jesus Christ with sin and darkness and doubt and despair. And the forces of evil gathered, and Jesus was arrested, and he went through a mock trial. He was judiciously and judicially murdered by the Romans. He's taken off the cross Friday, and he's dead. And on Saturday, the world waits in silence because it appears as though the forces of darkness and the forces of evil have won. The negative people have overcome love by crucifying it. But here, John, early on the first day of the week, While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and she saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they've laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been put on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Easter changes our perspective. Just like the ninth chapter of John pivots the gospel, Easter pivots our understanding of life. Easter says to us that your failures are not fatal, your death is not final, that all God's promises are true, that the words of Jesus are true, that Death and the grave cannot hang on to you that the resurrection is a harbinger of your hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus is risen. The fact that we're here is proof of that. The fact that after 2,000 years we still come Easter Sunday and ask the question, is it still true? And the answer is yes, he is risen, he is risen indeed. And people have tried to put shovels full of dirt over the church and no one has succeeded because we worship and serve a risen Lord. And that's why this morning we come to the table to be reminded that Christ has died Christ is risen. Christ will come again. 
The first Easter with Allison and Andrew was the Easter of 1990, and we dyed the Easter eggs. There was an Easter egg dying that went on last night, and the best-looking egg is the brown egg because the brown egg got dipped in every color we had. It is a glorious color of brown. And so we were getting ready for the, the Easter egg hunt, and there was egg dyeing going on. There was stuffing of plastic eggs going on, and then there was the hiding of the Easter eggs that went on. And after the appropriate time and church attendance, Allison and Andrew got to hunt Easter eggs, and they hunted and hunted and hunted all over the parsonage at Arcadia. And they are extreme egg hunters. I was mowing the yard in July of that year, and I found an egg that had not been found. Fortunately, it was a plastic egg and the candy, and it was still good. Yes, I did. (laughs) But it reminded me that's what Easter's all about. Easter comes on Easter Sunday. When we put on our absolute best and we come to church and we sing all these songs and we do all this stuff, but Easter also lands in the middle of August. Or Easter, Easter happens in the middle of the fall. Or Easter can happen right after Christmas if you need it. Or in January. Or on April 15th. Whenever you need the assurance that your life is not void or in vain. Whenever you need the assurance that somebody's walking with you, Easter can happen. And we come here to be reminded of that new perspective, that Christ is alive. He lives with us. He encourages us. He walks with us. He forgives us. Oh, y'all, how's your Easter sight? Do you see the world? Do you see the world through the eyes of the risen Christ? Do you see a world that can't hold you back? Do you see and walk with that kind of faith? Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.